With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phillips Levin of the 1012 Podcast here. If you've been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Things are going to look quite a bit different in Austin next season. I am Philip Slavin, and this is the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Yes, a lot of changes going on in Austin. Tom Herman making some big changes to his coaching staff. Out offensive coordinator Tim Beck. Out defensive coordinator Tom Orlando. Out both wide receiver coaches. It's a lot of changes, and that means a lot of new personnel is going to be showing up. One already announced, well, that's what the rumors say on Sunday. It's a lot to break down. Very excited to have Taylor Estes from Horns 24-7 on the show. She is a very, very busy lady. Lots going on. A lot of people she's talking to, a lot of sources she's keeping up with, so we appreciate her taking some time to come and join us. We're going to talk about Chris Ash, the supposed new defensive coordinator for Texas, talk about the names and, and targets for the offensive coordinator position, how Tom Herman might fill out the rest of his coaching staff, and what all this means for Tom Herman, and is he on the hot seat or not this coming season? What is he going to have to do to keep his job there in Austin? It's not been a bad three seasons, but it, it, it hasn't been, I would say, up to snuff of what I think a lot of Texas fans and a lot of Texas boosters would like to see from the Longhorns. So really good interview with her coming up. A couple of things. First off, shout out Baylor Volleyball. On to the national semifinals for the first time in program history. They are in the Final Four. Is there like a is there like a Frozen Four, Final Four kind of thing for them? The Volley Four? I don't know. Probably not. Anyways, they will play on Thursday against four-seeded Wisconsin, Texas. Congratulations on a great season. They did not advanced this far. Big year for the Longhorns. Always a great program. 
Uh, we are trying to line up a guest to talk about volleyball. I know most of you are like, we don't care. Why do we want to? But I think it's worth doing. It's a Big 12 sport. One of the best teams in the country is in the Big 12. We're going to talk about it. So still trying to line that up. Not going to make any promises so far. Obviously, this is a big week for recruiting. Early signing period is Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We're looking at trying to get a guest on to talk about that at some point. We're going to have Brian Ralph to talk about some college basketball, probably, because we've, we've got to. And, of course, we've got bowl picks coming up later this week. So if you have not subscribed to the show, make sure and do so. If you have not written a review, please do that. If you haven't given us a rating, we would love five stars. It helps get the word out about the show. Give us a follow on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. You know, If you write us a review on iTunes, we will get you a prize. Why? Because we are happy to pay off people who would do nice things for us. Uh, we have one already, and he still hasn't reached out. So just do us a favor, write us a review, take a screenshot, DM it to us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. We'll get you some free land-grant gauntlet gear. If you are not following the land-grant gauntlet for all things Big 12 football, you should be doing it. Speaking of Big 12 football, Taylor Estes here on the show. Let's get to it. Taylor Estes of Horns 24-7 joining us today to talk about, obviously, the big story when it comes to Texas, which is the changes to the coaching staff. A couple of guys got fired. I say a couple. Big changes after the season, obviously, defensive coordinator Orlando is out, which uh, we'll talk about why I thought that was the most surprising thing of all of them. Uh, offensive coordinator Tim Beck is now just coaching quarterbacks for now, and then both wide receiver coaches, uh, Drew Maringer and uh, well, I can't remember Meekins' first name, but Meekins, <laughs> other wide receiver coach, are gone. Um, Taylor, I want to start with the, let's call it the breaking news on Sunday. Everyone's saying the the worst kept secret as far as replacing these guys go. Chris Ash, former Rutgers head coach and, and Ohio State uh, coach there who worked with Tom Herman in Columbus is going to be the new defensive coordinator. What's, uh, what's your opinion on this, on this hire? You know, I think that everybody kind of saw, like, if you could read the tea leaves, you kind of knew exactly what was going to come. You know, Chris Ash came to Austin in October prior to the Oklahoma game and was just kind of, quote unquote, on campus. He was kind of, I think, feeling out the situation going on in Texas, but he, you know, he was already around the program for that week. Um, And, you know, once Tom Herman got rid of Todd Orlando, I think that everybody looked to Chris Ash. You know, Tom Herman has been one that kind of goes with the comfort hires in a, as a head coach in his head coaching role. And, you know, some Texas fans may, may not be too keen on that after him doing that when he was at Houston and then coming over to Texas and bringing on a lot of those guys from his Houston staff. But, you know, overall, you know, Ash did very well at Ohio State. He was the co-defensive coordinator along with Luke Fickle, when uh, the Buckeyes won the national championship um, in the 2014 season, the first season of the college football playoff. And, you know, Tom Herman was the offense coordinator that season. So I think a lot of people are looking at that. You know, you can look at what happened at Rutgers. There's been a lot of turmoil a little bit at Rutgers. You know, uh, Greg Shiano is kind of one of the only people that has found success there in recent, you know, history. So um, people will, you know, kind of knock the hire because of that. Um, but, you know, I think I think the biggest thing that Texas fans and anybody that's paying attention right now need to kind of like look at is 
you know, this is not a knock in any way on Chris Ash, but, you know, being a defensive coordinator in the Big Ten is entirely different than being a defensive coordinator in the Big 12. You know, there are entirely different styles of offenses that are run. This, you know, he was um, found a lot of success at Ohio State being the co-defense coordinator calling the defense. You know, Ohio State held opponents to, I believe it was 22 points per game in 2014. And the pass defense was, you know, they went from like 112th nationally in the country to 29th nationally in the country under his watch, um, you know, alongside with Luke Fickle. But I think that it'll be interesting to see kind of how this defensive um, change will really impact you how much it can impact against these big 12 offenses. Um, you know, I, like, I feel like I'm kind of like in the, the twilight zone a little bit because I have seen quite a few defensive coordinators in my time coming in at Texas. You know, the first year I was on the Texas beat was when Manny Diaz came in under Mac Brown's staff. And year one, he got a veteran defense and it was a solid defense. He did really, really well. The next year, it was the worst statistical defense in school history when he didn't have the veteran um, players. And then he was fired in year three. And then Vance Bedford comes in 2014. He, you know, kind of totally like helped the defense really progress in year one. He had veteran players. And then 2015 was one of the worst statistical defenses in school history. 2016 followed one of the worst statistical defense in school history. He gets fired before the season ends. Todd Orlando comes in 2017. He has one of the best, deep, you know, the best defensive overhauls. He had a lot of veteran players. 2018 happens. A lot of people are like, oh, the defense took a step back. Then 2019 season happens. There was a ton of injuries that happened on that defense, and he gets fired before the bowl game. So, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic, I would say would be the best way to describe it for how uh, Chris Ash can succeed in, um, you know, at Texas. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if in year one, he does well, like just based off of what history has shown at the University of Texas with new defensive coordinators, that seems to be what happens. Year one, they're, you know, Harold has all the, you know, the best thing that's happened since sliced bread. And then let's see what happens in year two. But, you know, I, I personally, you know, with, with Todd Orlando getting fired, I kind of thought that was a little premature. And I know a lot of Texas fans would disagree with me on that. I think there were a lot of things that happened this year, especially injuries um, in the secondary, you know, facing not only the Big 12 offenses, you know, they face LSU, who has a Heisman Trophy winner, a Blitnikoff winner <laughs> on the roster. I mean, the Texas defense definitely faced some of the better um, opponents in the country this season. So um, I didn't necessarily agree with that, but I think that, you know, if Tom Herman thinks that Chris Ash is going to be the guy, then it's going to be on Tom Herman's shoulders to figure out if he actually is or um, if this is going to be kind of the nail in Tom Herman's coffin. Yeah, I want to talk about Tom Herman in a bit. I, I, I agree with your Orlando take. You know, you had a, a defense, a lot, a lot of, lost a lot of guys from last year, really banged up through the year, a lot of injuries, especially in that secondary. I don't care how good a DC you are, you have that many injuries pile up. It's going to take a toll on your on your defense, you know. We've seen plenty of defensive coordinators who are pretty good come through the Big 12 and not look so good and leave and look pretty good again. So it's hard, you know, sometimes to know if a guy is just a right fit or not. You, I, mean, I can look at Oklahoma State and, you know, you look at year one for Jim Knowles coming over from the ACC and it was a rough season. You look at this year, 
A lot of guys who were young the year in year one, older, more used to his system, looked a lot better in year two. So it's you know it, it, there could be some some growing pains and a learning curve for guys when they come from other conferences to the Big Twelve because you're not used to playing the kind of offense that the Big Twelve has. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how Chris Ash handles year one there in Texas. And and, and again, I, I was shocked by the Orlando firing, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, I do want to talk about the other the other big one, Tim Beck. Uh, yes, he's still technically on the team. He's going to be coaching the quarterbacks. But Herman looking for a new OC. We've seen some names thrown around so far. But I'm curious what, what you know of as the latest is, as kind of what the direction might be going for a new OC. You know, these type of things can change literally at a moment's notice. Like I've seen this happen. Um, Sadly, I've seen quite a few uh, like coordinators and assistant coaching changes and head coaching changes for that matter since I uh, started covering Texas. But, um, you know, I think one of the lead candidate um, is 100% Graham Harrell from USC, the offense coordinator from USC. That's been somebody that Tom Herman has already interviewed um, and it's kind of a, it's a weird situation right now with Graham Harrell because he's in a situation at USC where Clay Helton, people wonder what his future is. I mean, it's not usually a good sign when the um, athletic director and the school president have to come out and say, we're retaining the head coach, not just like one year, but two years in a row. And that's what's happened at USC. And so Graham Harrell, you know, he's helped really revive that USC offensive attack I believe they're ranked 18th in the country this year um, from like the bottom half in college football last year. And I think uh, he's done a lot of good things in Southern California. Now, the thing that he's going to have to really kind of weigh in this situation is which potential sinking ship do you want to join? You know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, too harsh there, but the reality is, you know, Tom Herman just fired both of his offense or both of its coordinators and the thing with any type of you know coaching game is you fire your coordinators there's no one else to blame if it doesn't work except for the head coach so Tom really kind of put himself on the hot seat put him not I wouldn't say hot seat but put himself on the clock I would say would be the better way to describe the situation going on at Texas right now um, and then at USC you know how they have Clay Helton who has had to have the 80s say that they're you know they're behind him for the last two years straight um, and the one thing I think with Graham Harrell is he already has a built up relationship with the players at USC. Um, he has developed them in a way that I think USC fans are really proud about. And USC did enough, to, or he did enough to where USC presented him a contract extension. And, you know, since it's a private university, that stuff is not like subject to open records, but he does have that on the table. So I think all eyes right now are on Graham Harrell. Um, I think some Texas fans out there think that Joe Brady may be in the mix. I don't see that <laughs> happening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like, do you want to leave a school that's playing for the national championship in year one as a college coach to come on as OC at Texas, where you're going to have to be under Tom Herman's watch, not only just under Tom Herman's watch, but his direction. You know, he's, if you know anything about Tom Herman, he is a, very demanding type of coach he's um he's very hands-on especially on the offensive side of the ball because he's an offensive minded head coach and I would be very surprised if he just totally you know hands over the reins of the Texas offense to whoever he hires as an OC so that's something that both of these you know I I personally 
if Joe Brady is higher, then I'm, I'm totally fine with admitting that I was wrong. I would be absolutely shocked if he was actually somebody in the mix. Like, you know, Tom Herman may think he's in the mix, but the reality is if you're Joe Brady, I probably would not leave Ed Orgeron's staff right now. Um, but, you know, I think that's something that Graham Harrell really needs to weigh right now. If, if he is going to be the guy, which he's the number one choice for the job, he's going to have to realize that it's not going to necessarily be just Graham Harrell's offense. It's going to be Graham Harrell with Herman's involvement. And Tom Herman came out um, at the Alamobo press conference saying that he does not, you know, he, his biggest thing is he doesn't want to call plays anymore because Tom Herman has been has been the offensive play caller since the 2018 season. It worked well in year one, but if you saw, or in 2018, but if you saw what happened this year, Texas only regressed on offense. And it's because Tom Herman, I don't think, has time to really be the play caller, be the face of the university, handle all of his media obligations that he does, whether it's Longhorn Network or anything else. I mean, there's a lot of things that go in line with being the head coach at Texas, with especially with having the, your, you know, your own ESPN network dedicated just to your school. I think that Tom Herman kind of got in over his head and you realized that there was really li very little wrinkles that you saw from the Texas offense this season as the season progressed where you thought like, oh, this looks new. You know, it's like if it was fourth and two, you knew they were going to run QB power. Like it was just kind of the way it goes and it never worked. And Tom just kind of stuck to the script and that's the type of guy he is. And this is going to be the type of situation where whoever comes in as OC, whether it's Graham Harrell or somebody else, they're going to have to be in a situation where they're going to be okay with being like having that type of involvement from the head coach, having the type of involvement where somebody's going to really kind of dictate a lot of things behind the scenes that maybe Graham Hill's not getting at USC right now. So, you know, I think Graham Hill's number one name to watch. Um, I've heard from some USC sources that there's confidence on USC side that they could retain Harrell. Now, again, with these things, they could literally change at a moment's notice. And so it's almost, you have to be cautious with saying what could possibly happen just because of that. But at this point, I think that he's candidate number one. And if Texas doesn't get him, then it's back to the drawing board. And, you know, I think that Tom's trying to put everything he can in Graham Harrell's lap to hopefully lure him away from USC. It's now just a matter of if Graham Harrell really wants to kind of take that leap leave the comfort, leave the players that he's already knows the, the relationship he already knows in at USC and come to a school where really the head coach just put himself on the clock um, by firing both of his um, offensive and defense coordinators in year three, because if it doesn't work out, you know, you can get all the guaranteed money in the world, but if the Texas offense is terrible next year, what does that do for Graham Harrell's career? It only hurts it. And, um, you know, I think it's a big risk right now for him but I think that's the one that Tom has really narrowed in on from everything I've heard. And if it's not him, then it's kind of back to square one. So you wouldn't have any other names that you think potentially set Brady aside. Sorry. I'm, I'm not going to, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to buy that. That's a, that's a fan kind of thing. We're mm -hmm. so-and-so school. We should be able to get anybody we want. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's 2019 folks. <laughs> yeah. Lots of schools have money and some more than you. Um, if Harrell isn't the guy, is there any other are there any other names you could you could see maybe popping up or have heard rumblings about? Honestly, no. And that's kind of another situation that Texas is kind of 
they're, they're kind of, their hands are tied right now. Like that is the guy, if they can get them, it's Graham Harrell or bust. And so it's back to the drawing board otherwise. Now there was a report out I saw earlier today and you could totally tell it's from like, you know, the company spiel that they're feeding this reporter who put this out there like, oh, we have a couple candidates behind the scenes or something. It's like, no, you don't. Like it's actually Graham Harrell or else it's literally what are we going to do? And, you know, um, when I saw that, that report, you know, the person who put it out there has been very much a, uh, um, kind of a company line type of person that reports things. So when I saw it, I was kind of read it and I thought, okay, so this is actually Graham Harrell or bust. And they're kind of trying to spin it like, well, if it's not him, then we're going to have just somebody that fits the qualifications, but it's going to be a secret hire. Um, to me that, that spells everything out from what we're hearing as, they are literally putting all of their chips on the table for Graham Harrell. And if it's not him, then Tom's going to be left scrambling to see who could be the other option for an offensive coordinator at Texas. Quite the gamble. I mean, Harrell did a great job at USC, getting down mm-hmm. to your third string quarterback and, and still winning games there. Um, I would be curious how he would fit with Texas's personnel currently. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about Ellinger running Graham Harrell's offense, but it obviously we, I don't want to talk too much about that until we know for sure who's going to be the guy. Right. Um, the other two coaches who relieved the duties or moved around both wide receiver coaches. And, and I am curious from your perspective, do you see Herman hiring two wide receiver coaches again to replace them? Cause I know that one of them was the receiver outside receiver and passing game coordinator. The other was an inside receiver. Or do you see him hiring one receivers coach and potentially using the other coaching spot for a different position on the team? I would think I I have heard different type of things. Um, I do think that they're going to hire one receivers coach and then what they should do and what I've heard is add another coach, assistant coach on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, this year, the Texas offense had six assistant coaches on offense compared to four assistant coaches on defense. Plus, they had a number of analysts on offense and just one analyst on defense. So, you know, if you're talking about the struggles of Texas, you know, people want to look at the stats and look at what, what the defense presented this year. And, um, you know, I, I, I account all things. I account injury. I account all of that type of stuff where people want to be just the stat, you know, masters. Um, they need more help on the defense. You know, I think that's the, the, the key thing right there for Texas right now. I think that you know, they need to replace uh, Drew Maringer. He was the main receivers coach. Um, and then, you know, I think that they'll probably add another assistant coach on the defense, whether it's going to be, you know, a defensive tackle coach or a linebackers coach specifically and let Chris Ash just run, you know, the defense himself as a defensive coordinator. Um, I think that is kind of the direction from everything I've heard that they're leaning right now. And I think that's probably the smart the smart gamble, you know, it's probably not a good sign to have um, 60% of the coaches on one side of the ball and then 40% of the coaches on the other, and then wonder why the other side of the ball has struggled. It's kind of like, well, maybe, maybe you should even it out a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's kind of, I, you know, I, I'm no expert, but it just kind of seems that if Tom really wants to say that this is about, not just about, you know, Todd Orlando, this is about fixing the defense. They need to add another body on the defensive staff. Um, but, you know, I think that one thing with Drew Maringer, he's gotten kind of like drugged through the mud, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of reports out there about him. And I, you know, from everything that I've heard, it almost seems like a smear campaign a little bit. And I, uh, 
it, it's kind of disappointing, you know. I mean, those are definite defamatory type of remarks that have been made about him. Like, there's been rumors that he, like, tipped off, you know, other opponents for what Texas was going to run. And it's, that's entirely wrong. Yeah, I've talked to several sources out there, like, and that sources that I trust that have adamantly said that that is absolutely not true. There's not an ounce of truth to that. So I kind of feel for Drew Maringer right here. And, you know, the Texas receivers have actually been one of the better position groups on the Texas offense, um, aside from quarterback, I would say. Um, I think that the receiver group has been the most reliable group with whether it's Will Jordan Humphrey in, in 2018 or, you know, Devin Duvernay, Colin Johnson when he was healthy this year. So I kind of just kind of felt a little bit like both Maringer and kind of Tim Beck too were a little bit of the scapegoats because Tim Beck kind of got blamed for the offensive struggles, but he was not calling the plays. It was Tom Herman calling the plays. It was Tom Herman's offense. And this is just kind of a situation. It's, it's disappointing a little bit. I think, you know, you kind of, you take away the fan side of it. You have to look at the human side of what this is. And the human side says these guys kind of got the shaft a little bit, to be honest, you know, it's just to be Mm -hmm. real about it. That's exactly what has happened. So um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate for them, but I definitely think that Texas, from what all I've heard, Texas is probably going to replace Drew Maringer and then put another coach on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Six forward division, probably not the smartest thing. No, not um, in the big 12. On the side too. of the ball. No. <laughs> yeah. Let's put a lot of guys on offense. I think you can get by. You should probably focus more on defense in this, in this conference exactly. if you can slow anybody down. <laughs> So you mentioned this a little bit, but I I do think the most interesting thing about this is just the fact that Tom Herman's making some very big changes to his his staff. Look, I'll say this. I'm not the biggest Tom Herman fan. I've said it on here before. I I don't particularly care for him. Um, But he has, and especially when he got hired, seemed like the most obvious guy for Texas. He seemed like a good fit. Um, And I, I I don't mean that as a shot at Texas in any way, shape, or form. I just, I don't care for his personality all that much. Um, I thought they, their record was better than the team was last year. Mm-hmm. And I think the record this year is not reflective of, of how good the team actually was. Obviously, this is a team that dealt with a lot of injuries. I, we always seem to want to downplay, well, you shouldn't. It, it was a defense that lost a lot. You had a lot of injuries. I don't care who you are. That starts to add up over time. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like this program under Tom Herman is kind of the average of the two seasons so far. I feel like that's what this program has been so far. So not as good as it looked last year and better than it was this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm someone who would want to put him on the hot seat in any way, shape, or form, not, not, not at this point. But as you mentioned, I think this is valid. If you're going to make changes to your staff like this, when you're going to fire your OC and your DC, that is completely putting the onus on you. Mm-hmm. Because A, you're, you're about to bring in brand new guys that you're going to handpick. Um, and, and there's no one to blame. If things don't go well next year, it's not, well, it's the, this OC and DC I brought in. It's their fault. It's this new coaches that I brought in. That, that's, that's the problem. Well, you brought them in. This is, this is now on him. Yeah. So I am curious what you think this kind of does for, again, I, I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think it would take a losing season next year for him to really, for us to really be any concern about Texas making a move with their head coach. But I am curious timeline wise what do you think this kind of does for tom herman moving forward what what kind of pressure is he going to be under next year and what are the expectations for him going to be 
You know, I think I think that if he doesn't win big next year, he is on the hot seat, to be honest. I think that, you know, the athletic director, Chris Del Conte, came out after the Texas Tech game this year, and he said it would be um, crazy town if he fired Tom Herman after three winning seasons. Well, that's fine, but then he follows it up with saying that losing five, like seven and five, is never our standard. That's his quote. So if that's the case, they have to win more than seven games next year in order for Tom Herman to not be on the hot seat. I mean, Charlie Strong, you know, he, he had three losing streaks seasons. I get that. Like, so, you know, he obviously was kind of let go because of that. But look at what happened to Mac Brown. I mean, Mac Brown had one losing season in his entire tenure at Texas. Then he had three winning seasons and he was fired. So that's actually the standard at Texas is crazy town. Apparently we'll put it in Chris Del Conte's words. It is crazy (laughs) town because Mac Brown, somebody who literally set this standard for the university of Texas, set the bar so high because of his run that he made from 1998 up until 2009, he set the standards so high that this is what Texas fans and Texas boosters and Texas supporters all, all expect right now. And Texas has right now a lot of money, um, dedicated towards a ton of facility upgrades, not just with the football program, but the football program is what runs the university. And I, from all that I've heard, you know, there's a lot of big money people that are not thrilled with Tom Herman and you kind of touched on it. You know, you don't like his personality. You're not alone on that. You know, that's how a lot of people feel. He um, rubs a lot of people the wrong way. He's very, um, he's very into Tom Herman and it's, you know, you, you rarely see him, have a human moment or take accountability. It's always kind of something else. And even when they beat Kansas, you know, his first thing is, oh, well, winning is really, really hard. It's actually not hard. Like my thing always, when I heard him say that, I was like, that's something losers say. Like, that's just absolutely not the case. Like winning really isn't that hard. It's like, do you, have you ever heard out, you know, Nick Saban or Davos Winnie or Lincoln Riley or Mike Gundy or whoever it is, have you ever heard them say that? Probably not. You know, you don't really hear that as an excuse when you only beat Kansas by two points. Um, and so, or whether it was like after the Iowa State game where somebody asked him if he was outcoached by Matt Campbell in Iowa State, and he said that he would never admit to being outcoached. Then he had to like tread back two days later and say, oh, I, I thought that the question was, were we duped? It's like, no, you didn't. You did not think that's what the question was. Everybody in that room knew that you knew what the question was and your immediate response was to not take any accountability for your team losing when your defense only gave up, what was it, technically 17 points in that game because they had a, um, I believe that was one where they had a kick return for a touchdown. So technically the defense only gave up like 13 or, se- or 14 or 17 points. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, you know, that's just kind of he rubs people the wrong way. And he, with being that type of coach, you know, people were endearing to Charlie Strong. Yeah, he, he did not win very much at all. And he, he deserved to probably get fired after year three. But people still were endearing to him because he was a real person. I don't think a lot of people feel that way about Tom Herman. So you add all of that up and it just adds even more pressure, I think, to him to get these coordinator, um, these coordinator hires right. Because if he doesn't get them right, I really do think next year it's make or break for him. If Texas is not winning, you know, going to a New Year's Six Bowl next year, winning more than seven games, I think that Tom Herman, it will be his last year at Texas. Okay. Well, this is going to be a big year for Texas. I'll, 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 man, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, 
road game at LSU. That's that's gonna be big. Yeah. You know, they can, the the Tom Brady or the the Joe Brady Bowl. We're gonna call that one. Yeah. Joe Brady. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, you guys have done over at Hornets twenty four seven a great job of breaking this news down, uh, of having information when things are coming available. I, big props to you guys over there. You and the whole team done a great job covering all this news as it's been as it's been coming out. Um, for everybody who wants to keep track of whatever hires are going to come next, uh, whenever the Chris Ash stuff has been official, um, whatever else is going to happen with Tom Herman, um, you guys do a great job. How can everybody continue to follow the work that, that you guys are doing over there at Horns 24-7? Well, I appreciate you saying that, Philip. Uh, you can go to horns247.com. You can follow me on Twitter. It's taylorestis247, or you can follow horns 247 on uh, Twitter. So, But I really appreciate you saying that. You know, we've been uh, – I almost feel a little uh, – like I'm in the twilight zone right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, am I still looking at this every day? Am I still talking to the same people every day? <laughs> you know, it's just kind of <laughs> cause it, you kind of feel like you're in a head coaching search and you're like, this is really only the coordinators. My goodness, what's going to happen if Tom Herman gets <laughs> let go next year? Like, you know, it's going to be aging in dog ears over here is probably the case. Well, Taylor, I want to say I, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time away from your family uh, out there on the on the Pacific Coast. Uh, I know the time change is small. I've thrown you a little bit, but thank you for taking some time to talk about this with us. No, anytime, Philip. Thanks for having me on. Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show five stars. Please, it helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us. On Twitter at 1012 Podcast, T E N the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012 Podcast, T E N number 12, word podcast at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.